Yo, what's up everyone and welcome to the Step Back Podcast. This is what I call an alternative sports podcast focusing on basketball and uh, cultural politics. Um, so I you know, have uploaded four episodes before this one, so this is the fifth one. Um, in the very first intro episode, I kind of talk a little bit about, you know, why I created this cast and, and what the goal is and essentially what I'm saying in that uh, with that is, you know, the, the sports commentary that I'm used to hearing, um, I think is changing in some ways, um, especially with ESPN's first take. Um, and then, of course, all the the independent sort of podcasters as well. But you know, I, I look at First Take and maybe even Undisputed with Skip and Shannon um, as more directly addressing uh, social issues, racial issues, gendered issues than than we're used to seeing in the past um, on just like Sports Center or whatever the fuck uh, came before. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that they. I don't know, it's, it's not that they don't go far enough in terms of like how often they talk about that kind of stuff, but just like some of those dudes, <laughs> I don't know if they should have a license to talk about it. And so this is an issue that I'm going to talk about um, on today's podcast, not only with sports commentators, but also asking, just thinking bigger about like, you know, the question of professional athletes using their platform to speak out on social issues. Um, and whether or not that's a that's a good idea, you know, like should we be looking to um, our athletes when it comes to politics? So there's this, you know, kind of debate or, or tension going on about, you know, should they use their platform and should they have a license to speak on those issues just because they're, you know, somebody's good at basketball or football or, or whatever, should they, does that mean that we should also you know, listen to what they have to say when it comes to politics. So, you know, they have the the access to that those kind of huge platforms because they're famous, but, um, you know, sometimes they can probably do as much damage as they can do good. And so it reminds me of, um, I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I'm going to bring up often throughout this podcast because he's I haven't actually really read any of his writing, but just through listening to him speak on a number of different uh, sports shows, he is one of the greatest athlete, professional athlete intellectuals that I've ever listened to. And so I'll probably, you know, pick up something that he's written and, and give it a read sometime soon. You know, I've read some articles online, I guess, but, uh, you know, I haven't read any of his books or anything like that. Um, but I, I was watching, I can't even remember what show, and he was on, um, and he was talking about how, he was talking about this very issue of like when players could or should be speaking out on social issues, and you know, he made a really good point, which was that we don't have to listen to, <laughs> it's a great thing sometimes when, when players do speak out and you know, make us uh, think about some issues in some critical ways, but just because they're doing that, just because sometimes they choose to do that, doesn't mean that we have to actually listen to them. Like, I mean, Tom Brady hasn't necessarily come out and and made any kind of explicit uh, political statements on purpose necessarily, 
but it's pretty well known that he's a friend of Donald Trump. He, you know, was wearing around that fucking Make America Great Again hat. You know, this is this is probably the greatest quarterback of all time. He's at least, you know, if you want to say the greatest or like he's probably at least had the greatest career of any quarterback of all time. Supports fucking Donald Trump and is friends with Donald Trump. You know, like so that's, you know, kind of my hesitancy with like um just kind of proclaiming that athletes should use their platform to speak out on social issues or that, uh, you know, you could say the same thing for like actors or, or any other famous people who are, who were looking to, to speak on like very complex issues that they might not really have, you know, any credibility in speaking about just cause, uh, they might not be used to it. You know, they might not have put, you, you have to put in some work into, you know, knowing the context, knowing the history, thinking through some of these issues before, you know, you become credible to actually listen to, right? Um, and so I just tweeted, I was watching ESPN's first take this morning, um, and Isaiah Thomas was on there, who's another um, pretty good athlete intellectual, um, also a, an extremely underrated basketball player, I think, and on an extremely underrated team, uh, the Detroit Pistons, the Bad Boys. Um, I mean, the Bad Boys get some credit, right? But, like, the Pistons in general are an underrated kind of franchise, even though, you know, we had the classic Bad Boys and then we had, like, the rebirth uh, of the Bad Boys with Rashid and Ben Wallace and, and Billups and Richard Hamilton and Tayshaun Prince. Um, so, yeah, I think the Pistons are really underrated, but, like, Isaiah Thomas is another one of those people who I think is kind of overlooked as a player as well. And, and people, I don't know if people realize that, like, how involved he is in, like, community stuff. And I'm not quite as confident in saying that, you know, I'm totally on board with his ideas as I am with Kareem for the most part. Um, because I have vaguely heard some criticisms of Isaiah Thomas that I can't really... You know, I'm just not not quite as sure on Isaiah, but he when I hear him on uh, when he comes on to different shows, he always expresses like really, I think, valuable ideas and critical ideas. In addition to being able to talk about basketball, talking about social issues, and I've heard that he's done he's done like work around violence in Chicago and things like that. Um, but I just tweeted this question because he he came on first take today and I tweeted a question at them that they totally ignored and what I asked him was let me find it here because um, it was on the same kind of issue that I was just talking about and so what I asked, it was sort of like a, a leading question I said on the issue of players speaking out on social issues Isaiah Thomas what could be done to first educate players more on the issues and so, you know, I don't know why we take, like, a passive kind of role if, if I think we, we can agree that, you know, there is a platform there, obviously, for players um, that they could be accessing if they wanted to and that some of them have tried to access, right? Um, if we can at least agree that that platform exists and it's huge, you know, why at least to my knowledge, is nothing being done 
to help educate these players. You know, I'm not saying that, like, they don't, you know, some of them don't do that on their own, but, like, I've, I haven't heard of, of much happening, like, in an organized way for, like, a particular franchise or um, across the NBA, across different franchises in terms of educating their players on, on social issues or on history or things like that. Uh, one of my friends from the Valley in Texas told me about how Greg Popovich like organized a conference or something around race. Uh, I don't really know much more about it, but it sounded really cool. And you know, Greg Popovich is one of the other great you know, athlete intellectuals that we have uh, today as well. But, you know, I don't I don't know the dynamics of that specific conference, um, but those kinds of things, you know, like why why not implement, you know, look at some of the kind of freedom schools or like grassroots political education uh, workshops or, or, you know, community schools that have existed throughout history from like the black power movement or from like some of the stuff that the Black Panthers were doing. Why not implement some of that stuff and have like a. So I guess I was kind of asking him a leading question because I'm, I'm interested in what he would have to say to this, but like I also have these ideas about like why not at least institute like a two-week-long like kind of school that, that players throughout the NBA and maybe even college can come to where you, know, you let them work out together, um, but you're also kind of going into these workshops um, that have to do with social issues and looking at maybe like film screenings and stuff like that. I don't know if you've ever seen the Black Power mixtape, which was making by it was made by these, uh, I believe, Swedish filmmakers. Um, it just came out in like 2012 or 13 or something, but it was like mostly footage from like the 60s and 70s and looking at um, again the Black Power movement, the Black Panthers, and things that they were doing. Um, so if there was some kind of like school and like only so much could be accomplished in two weeks, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't mean to say that, you know, a two week little work workshop thing would necessarily change everybody's life. But like the point in that kind of situation is to, to, to plant a seed in players minds. So like, you know, you're introducing them to these histories and these materials and these things that have happened. Um, and hopefully igniting something in them to, to continue that kind of education on their own as well and to kind of um, look beyond, you know, the competitive nature of the NBA to view, you know, the bigger things that kind of bind us. And, and this is something that I think is wrapped up in the conversation around, like, the old school rough and tough NBA versus, you know, what people criticize today is that, like, you know, there's a foul called for having bad breath, as Stephen A. would say, you know, like, you tap somebody and it's automatically a foul, and, you know, it's, it's not totally racialized, but, like, there's just this weird racial dynamic to it that kind of makes me uncomfortable in terms of, uh, like, people aren't happy, like, people don't want to pay to see, like, black men get along with one another like they have to be at each other's throats or something like in order for this to be like fun to watch for them or some shit like they can't you know they criticize 
uh, LeBron James for not being a killer like Mike was or like Isaiah was or whoever else, right? Same thing with KD, same thing with Steph, same thing with Clay. Uh, Draymond's a bit of an aberration this day and age. But, you know, what's wrong with, you know, because I was kind of on that boat. Like, and I think, I don't think that it's mutually exclusive. I think that, you know, I, I don't like some of the rules that have changed. I don't want to see this many free throws. Um, I do like rough a rough style of basketball playing it and watching it right uh, I just think it's more fun and I don't think that that you know having that desire preferring that kind of basketball is necessarily mutually mutually exclusive to acknowledging you know what I was just talking about in terms of like you know why are we so why do we want to watch these people kill each other in a, in a league that's like overwhelmingly black like, we got to be at least a little bit conscious of, like, not that, like, anybody's doing that intentionally and, and saying, like, yeah, I want to watch black guys, like, kill each other. Yeah, just, like, stop being defensive for a second. That's not what I'm saying. It's more about just, like, there are things that are more important, right, than just watching these people, like, kill each other. Like... If, we, if they instituted some kind of school like I was talking about and, and, and attempted like to organize around these kinds of ideas um, and you know, we focus more on you know, what are those kinds of issues and what are those bonds that, that totally transcend the game and are not even, you know, in my opinion, opposed to you know, the notion of competition that we enjoy when it comes to basketball. You know, we can still go out there be, and be competitive um, get after each other and then but we need to like cultivate some other shit in terms of you know looking at the issues that are going on you know like and some players have have been decent at doing this I don't think LeBron James is that bad um, in terms of what he's had to say about social issues like I I mean he hasn't spoken up a lot necessarily but he has spoken up a lot in terms of, like, in comparison to people like MJ. Like, y'all, like, one of the reasons that I hate on MJ is that he was a motherfucker in terms of, like, these kinds of issues. Like, he didn't say shit until, like, last year. Like, literally, like, a year or two ago. Like, he was adamant about, like, you know, I'm not going to speak to these things. And... For a while, and in certain situations, I think that that might be acceptable in terms of like if you're if you're acknowledging like okay i'm not knowledgeable about this subject, so i'm not going to like fucking blast my opinions on this giant platform that I have because i don't know what i'm talking about, but you know once you do that like you got to acknowledge that you're fucking rich and you know time and and resources are not an obstacle for you, so like you have no excuse for not learning about that shit at this point like I don't know how old he is like 50 or some shit like you know this should have happened before and even when he did decide to speak out like and he was like gave a million dollars to Black Lives Matter he also gave a million dollars to like the fucking police so like that shit just cancels out like what the fuck are you doing like like obviously you haven't like learned about (laughs) that much about you've showed that you've listened you've started to listen but like obviously you haven't done that much shit so, like, LeBron James has been comparatively okay. You know, going into the NBA Finals, he had that racial slur uh, spray-painted on his house. And, you know, I, I think he made what 
made some comments that were you know they were pretty pc they were but they were you know just kind of acknowledging the reality of of racism in america in a very like broad sense uh i mean he named like specifically for how uh, african-americans uh you know racial issues are still very prominent in this country and so that was real but he doesn't you know i don't see him taking leadership on those kinds of issues in the way that he has in other ways like on the basketball court or in terms of like his entrepreneurship um then we have Colin Kaepernick who, you know, I don't need to go through all of that, but like people's reactions to Colin Kaepernick are just so, so incredibly frustrating. Like even like Max Kellerman, who I view as like one of the more, in terms of like mainstream sports journalists, like one of the most closely aligned with my political ideology is that of Max Kellerman, but like he still kind of falls a little bit short, like, and so where he felt, because he was very supportive of, of Kaepernick's whole protest, um, but then where he kind of fell off the Kaepernick bandwagon was when Kaepernick decided not to vote, and where Kaepernick was, like, wearing, um, wearing a shirt that had Castro on it, and Malcolm X, and I think, like, one other person, I can't remember who it was, so I just want to address both of those points real quickly. Like, like you're telling me you don't support his protest anymore because he decided not to vote? Like, I agree in the sense that, like, I think it's stupid not to vote um, because it does obviously have some impact on people's lives. Um, and so one of the things that highlighted to me, like, how bullshit it is uh, when people don't vote, it isn't even just the apathy, but I remember when George Bush was going for Lil W, the second George Bush was going for his second um, term, like going into that vote, there was like this article I saw on anarchists who were voting for, uh, had planned on voting for uh, George Bush, not because they support him, but because they thought that he would bring such chaos to the country that it would lead to a revolution. And so, you know, that's just forcing that kind of like, revolutions aren't fun, right? Like my family is in, my family is where we are in the US because of the Mexican revolution. And so like, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about what happened during that revolution. And like, you know, people tend to idolize revolutions without acknowledging like the very real shit that you have to deal with and going through them like shit gets messy lots of people fucking die people get raped um people starve to death people are tortured you know it's you know so we we tend to idolize these things without acknowledging how how real the impact is right um and so with Ka uh Kaepernick's shirt when he's sort of idolizing Castro. Yeah, like Castro is a very complicated figure. Um, so it's not that I, you know, I, I'm not educated enough on, on Cuba to really have, you know, a confident opinion that I want to state on Castro in and of himself. But, you know, I know enough and a little enough to kind of note that, you know, 
it's a complicated issue and that the media's reaction to Colin Kaepernick, while people like Max Kellerman are correct when they say, you know, it might be problematic for Kaepernick to be wearing a Castro shirt because Castro did do some fucked up shit. He did a lot of fucked up shit. But, you know, they totally fail to acknowledge why Castro is seen by many as a heroic figure. You know, I mean, Cuba has universal health care. It has a lot of problems. But, you know, for some people it was that revolution, you know, did bring some positive change. And so our media, the way that they react to it, though, is just to, like, it just shows kind of how brainwashed they are into, like, U.S. patriotism because they fail to acknowledge that complexity. To them, Castro's just a murderer. Like, yeah, Castro did a lot of fucked up shit. But, you know, it wouldn't be controversial to say, uh, to idolize Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was a fucking genocidal murderer, right? The founding fathers of the U.S. were genocidal murderers. And it's not controversial to, controversial to idolize them because of U.S. patriotism, you know? So, you know, it's just a matter of perspective and what you're willing to criticize and what you're not willing to criticize. So, you know, different players. Um, so, like, Max sort of, like, jumped off the bandwagon of Colin Kaepernick uh, on those two points, like, not wanting to vote and also on the whole Castro thing. And so I guess what I was saying about the voting issue is that, like, it's, it's total bullshit not, not to vote because people, people want to act like it doesn't have any impact. Like, I'm very aware that, you know, the game is somewhat rigged, but it's not as, like, black and white as people like to make it seem. You can't just say, like, oh, things are unfair in this country, therefore, you know, voting has absolutely no impact. Or, well, fuck it, Donald Trump should be president because then, you know, we'll just fucking overthrow him. First of all, that's probably not going to happen. You know, nobody's overthrowing Donald Trump anytime soon. Like, whatever. And second of all, like, who are you to, like, who's going to suffer the most from any kind of revolution that you're envisioning or any kind of, like, fucked up shit that Donald Trump is going to do, Right? It's, to me, most of the people who didn't vote or who voted for Donald Trump are not those people who are going to be impacted first and worst by his policies, right? So just keeping all of that shit in mind. And so anyway, like, back to this idea of the school, like, Colin Ka- Kaepernick, first of all, is more educated on these issues than, like, the vast majority, like 99% of the players who I've heard speak out on these issues, Colin Kaepernick seems more educated on them than other people. But he, he obviously, you know, I think, like, I don't agree with him on everything, right? Um, but if we had some kind of... Uh, I think the platform is important. That's why I'm talking about this, because you could make the argument that, like, well, who cares about these fucking NBA players? There's, like, you know, there's not that many NBA players in the world, like... You know, there's, like, 12 guys on a fucking team. There's, like, I don't remember how many teams, like, 30 or 32. You know, that's not that many people. But this really isn't about them. It's about acknowledging the fact that they do have a giant platform. Um, In the NFL, this would be even more people, you know, if they did something similar. But the NFL is a fucking joke, and, you know, I don't know if I want to get into that today. But um, 
it, it's about the platform because it does matter. Because, I mean, sports have such a huge grip on our consciousness in this country. And, you know, I've sort of went back and forth on sports and whether or not, you know, I want to engage with them. You know, I grew up playing them and watching sports a lot. And I, throughout my life, I've kind of gone back and forth and being like, ah, these are bullshit. Like, it creates such a fucked up culture in our country. Um, to now, I've, I've sort of come back around again to at least acknowledging like, well, they have a platform, you know, there's a platform there. there. It's a common ground between us. It allows us to kind of talk about different things. So um, it's not bad to necessarily engage that platform and engage those people in that way. And so I think a, a, some kind of freedom school or workshop um, would be extremely helpful. And I mentioned the NBA not only because it's my... You know, I pay more attention to the NBA than anything else. Not only that, but because I see, even with Kaepernick, I see the M, like, and everything that happened around him, like, I see the NBA as, like, out of all the professional sports, probably, like, the leader when it comes to its stars, like, at least attempting to speak out. Like, you see Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul and LeBron and I can't remember somebody else, um... I think it was, like, the SPs or whatever. They said some shit at the beginning of it. And, like, like yeah, good try, guys. Like, <laughs> but, like, they need, we need to educate these players, though, on, on the issues. Because they were, like, acknowledging that there's fucked up shit happening. But they're just, like, also, like, doing it in a way that's, you know, not totally effective. Um, so that's why I think, you know, a kind of school where, where they're looking at these issues um, more in depth would be extremely helpful um, and trying to get, uh, point them in the direction of, of more people who have, have done this kind of work in the past and allowing them to learn from those leaders who have come and gone. Cause like a lot of times you hear about like Martin Luther King and obviously some people like Malcolm X too. Um, and like, I'm not even like necessarily trying to criticize those two dudes, but like, that's all that people hear about. You know, there's a lot of great thinkers out there, a lot of great organizers who have come and gone. Like Martin Luther King, like nobody, everybody heard of Martin Luther King. Nobody has ever heard of Ella Baker. You know, she was an extremely important civil rights organizer, organizing at the same time as Martin Luther King Jr. Um, I think he gets credit for a lot of her work. Most people don't even know her name, right? So, you know, we got we to gotta open things up a little bit. And, and beyond that, you know, like, don't even get me started on, like, the racial binary stuff. Because, like, people don't even acknowledge when we're talking in the sports world, when racial issues come up. Nobody's really talking about Latinos or, or indigenous people or Asian American issues either. Right. Like it's the what we call the the black white binary, which is both figurative and literal in the sense that it's very dualistic and people understand race relations only through a lens of, you know, are you black? Are you white? And it kind of erases everybody else. That's that's not one of those two things. And so like indigenous issues, um, Latino issues often get overlooked. And I know that the the NBA in particular is not. I mean, in terms of its players and its owners, it's, it is a very black and white league. But, you know, that's not the world that we live in. And that's also not 
that same the viewership does not reflect the demograph the racial demographics of the league itself you know basketball is huge in native communities in many mexican communities it's a you know especially in i would say almost more in mexico than in uh the us like basketball is a very important sport so you know there's a lot of different directions that that kind of school um could take and you know, I have some experience in, or I've worked with some groups who have tried to implement um, these kinds of political education programs that, uh, based off of like models given to us by the Black Panthers um, and other groups. So, you know, that's kind of where this idea is coming from. It's not like I just created it out of thin air. Um, but, you know, in the NBA, I see an interest um, from a lot of the players in these kinds of things. And so that's why I've um, I was bringing it up. Um, but I guess, you know, this podcast, this episode was a little bit more focused on the the, pol- the politics side of things. When I say politics, y'all, I don't mean electoral politics. That's almost never what I mean. When I say politics, I'm talking about culture. I'm talking about race, class, etc. Um, and, you know, maybe some electoral politics in there, too, but... Um, I don't give as much of a shit about electoral politics, although I think that is a, you know, a legitimate realm in which change can be made. Um, But yeah, I focused a lot on politics more in this episode than in other episodes, but Game 5 is happening tonight. I am very excited about it. I don't want the season to end tonight. Uh, I (laughs) I would love to see the Warriors sweating bullets after a loss tonight. If they lose tonight, those motherfuckers are going to be sweating. I mean, they lost, they were up 3-1 to one and ended up losing in the finals last year. They're up 3-0 to oh this year. They've lost one game, so it's no reason to panic. They're going home. I'm sure they'll probably win. Um, but I would love to see the Cavs win. I mean, I'm I'm already rooting for the Cavs. I think last podcast I already predicted that they would win like one sixteen to one twelve or something like that. Um, yeah, it would, it would just be great to see. And plus, like you know, everybody wants to make their money, so like everybody's gonna make more money the longer it goes. So who cares? Like, let's make it fucking interesting. Like, nobody's wants nobody wanted to see a sweep except for like you know diehard Golden State fans. And nobody wants to see it end in five games either because it's basically like a sweep. It's just kind of crazy how these things go because, you know, the Cavs have almost no chance. And, you know, just logically speaking, they have maybe like a 2% chance of actually coming back and, and winning. But, like, who cares? Like, they could win one game and then we'd have an interesting game six, one more game, you know. You know, I'll take a, a six-game series. That's pretty good. That's only one away from a game seven, you know? That could happen, too, if they win tonight. Um, But the crazy thing is that people keep saying this thing about how, well, the Cavs can't reproduce game four. They're not going to score 137 points and have a record-breaking first quarter again where they almost score 50 points. Yeah, but they don't have to do that again. Like, yeah, they're not going to, and they don't have to because all they have to do is try to the best of their ability to replicate game three. Put themselves in a position to, to have a chance at winning 
in the last three to five minutes of the game, you know, if it's within, in either direction, if it's within, you know, five to seven points, whether the Cavs are up that much or the Warriors are up that much, that's all the Cavs can ask for. And that's totally possible, you know, and if they're in that position, then they have a chance to win. You know, they don't have to replicate game four. They're not going to. Right, so it's kind of a, in my eyes, an illegitimate sort of argument that doesn't, that kind of just dismisses what happened in game three because they should have won game three. They just fucked up at the end, right? They did for about 45 minutes in that game everything that they could have done. And then, you know, they just fucked up the ending. So, you know, all they can ask for is to, to put themselves in that position again and to be in that position again to try and put away game five in, in a way that they failed to do in game three. And so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's possible that that happens. Um, you know, I'd say it's... If I had to guess, that's why I chose 116 to 112. I think the game is going to probably be close like that again. But the thing is with the Warriors, they're so loaded that the Warriors could win by 30 or 40 points tonight. Like, they're, they're always capable of doing that um, on any given night. The Cavs already blew out the Warriors last game. That's not going to happen. I don't think that that happens twice in a seven-game series against the Warriors for the Cavs and not for anybody else, obviously, either. Um, but, you know, I anticipate that it's going to be a good game. And, you know, you should follow the Step Back Podcast on Twitter. Um, I think my handle is actually Step Back Cast, at Step Back Cast on Twitter. I'll be tweeting live all throughout the game. I might go live a couple times throughout the game. Um, and I don't know. I might, uh, I might uh, decide to upload another probably shorter cast after the game is over as well. Um, just depending on what happens. I feel like if the Warriors win, I'll just kind of be like lazy and just be like, ah, whatever, fuck it. See you next year. <laughs> but if the Cavs win, then I'll be a little bit more energized, you know, because there's going to be another game and all that. So, you know, look for me on Twitter. Look for uh, another cast to be up soon. Um, I think the Step Back podcast should be on... It's on TuneIn. It's probably on iTunes by now. I submitted my shit, and, you know, it should be up there. If not now, then soon. Um, it's on SoundCloud. Twitter is where you find the most up-to-date. Um, uh, Twitter is where you find the most up-to-date kind of commentary on what's going on. You know, I'm sure I'll start my commentary before the game even starts. Probably about 8 p.m. Let's call it 8 p.m. I'll start commenting on shit. Um, but, yeah, find the Step Back podcast on those platforms. Um, we're also in the Art House uh, radio family of podcasts, uh, so you should check that out too. Uh, Art House Radio, arthouse43.com. And yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Cavs 116 112.